Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very, very respected and top television personality from Australia, Mr. Anthony Aykroyd. Anthony, welcome to the show. Ashutosh, it's wonderful to be here, and greetings from Australia. Thank you. Uh, Anthony is the Chief Exec, Chief Enjoyment Officer of the Laughter Advantage. Uh, he's an Australian comedian, actor, writer, and motivational speaker known for his impersonations of political figures. Anthony became a household name as a star of ABC TV's legendary comedy series, The Big Gig, and I've seen a few shows of that, and has performed and written for hundreds of Australian and international television shows, radio programs, and feature films. Uh, he's also a writer, performer of three of Australia's most successful comedy TV series, Hey Hey, It's Saturday, The Comedy Company, and Good News Week. And for 25 years, Anthony was one of the stars of ABC Radio's top TV, top rating comedy show, Thank God It's Friday. My goodness, what an amazing <laughs> set of achievements on television. Thank you for being on my show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank and you. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about laughter, my favorite yeah, subject. Absolutely. So let me start by asking you, how did you first become interested in comedy and impersonations? Uh, well, uh, the impersonations came later. Yeah. I'd, I'd been doing comedy for 25 years. I, I can explain how I got into that, but um, just going back to the beginning. Yeah, I thought I was going to be a rock star. Wow. Uh, and that, that almost happened. That's uh -huh. a different story, but it didn't happen. I can see the guitar uh, behind you. That's right. <laughs> okay. yeah, I still play the guitar and I was able to, to integrate the music into my comedy. Mm. But alas, the rock star thing didn't quite happen in the way I'd planned. And I, I actually uh, grew up in a tiny... A uh, little city, it was tiny at the time, called Hobart in Tasmania, which mm -hmm. for your international uh, viewers who mightn't be familiar with the geography, Tasmania is a little island yeah. off the end of the mainland of Australia. So mm -hmm. if you go any further down, you'll arrive at the South Pole. I've been there. Uh, so that's where I began. And I moved to Sydney mm -hmm. uh, to pursue um, music or acting. I was also an actor. Um, but basically, I was looking for you know fame and fortune. Mm -hmm. And after two or three months, I lowered my expectations mm -hmm. and I was looking for food and shelter. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> like many, many potential performers. Um, and I'd heard about a place called the Comedy Store. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people have heard of the LA Comedy Store and the American Comedy Store and the Sydney mm -hmm. Comedy Store mm -hmm. had just been opened, only been open about six months. Mm -hmm. And I knew from the plays I'd done that I had a bit of a flair for comedy. Mm. Uh, I was also desperate. Um, so <laughs> I went down to the comedy store, watched uh, what was called a tryout night. They're mm. now called open mic nights. Mm. And um, I watched the comedy. Uh, I saw what happened to some of the performers. It wasn't pretty. Others kind of yeah. survived and others, you know, Mm. Uh, lived bravely and I decided to give it a shot mm -hmm. so I got a little bit of an act together went down to the comedy store and gradually after a lot of ups and downs became successful that was my beginning uh, in comedy wow wow what an amazing journey and I love the way you you know so quickly defined 
what you wanted to be and where you finally reached. And I think, as they say, the rest is history, you know, yeah. so fantastic. You're also known for your impersonations of political yes. figures. Yes. What drew, drew you to impersonate these personalities and uh, how do you perfect their mannerisms and speech patterns? Mm. Yeah, interesting question. So um, yeah, as I was alluding to before, you know, I started doing comedy in 1982. Um, so that's 41 years ago. Uh, so I had did all those those TV things that you mentioned, like the big gig, which was like a Saturday Night Live, uh, live TV show comedy, which was very adventurous and risky and did a lot of radio. Then um, in 2007, uh, Australia got a new prime minister. His name was Kevin Rudd. Correct. And um, I was doing the radio, a radio show, which I done for decades called thank god it's friday which you mentioned mm. um or alluded to before um and I, I did a little impersonation of kevin rudd just mm -hmm. as part of a skit mm -hmm. and uh it went so well amazing but my comedy colleague said, you know, Anthony, you've got to, you've got to run with this. Mm -hmm. And so I, I um, Kevin has more hair than I do. Uh -huh. So I went out and got a little blonde wig. Mm -hmm. And then we did a live, um, thank God it's Friday. And there was about 300 people there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was asked a question. There was, the whole show was about current affairs and events and satirical comedy of that nature. Mm -hmm. So I was asked a question that involved Kevin Rudd, and I said, just a minute, I think he's here. Mm. So I, I ducked my head down and uh -huh. put on this wig and came back up, and there was kind of an audible gasp uh -huh. from the audience, and then I did Kevin's voice, which wow. is very distinctive. Mm -hmm. uh, and I knew I was onto something. So really, in a way, it was an accident that I got, mm. got involved in impersonation. I just happened to look and sound like, a new prime minister, of course, then you have to apply the comic tools and okay. techniques to make that work. And that's that's how the whole thing began. Mm. And after Kevin Rudd, did you do any other impersonations, <laughs> well-known personalities? I did. I did. Now, some of your listeners may not be um, familiar with the history of Australian politics, but um, Kevin was tossed out uh, by his uh, deputy prime minister, mm -hmm. Julia Gillard. So she became the prime minister. And um, because I'd done Kevin, people said, oh, can you do Julia? Mm -hmm. so I said, uh, I guess so. Mm -hmm. So um, that was, you know, my only attempt at um, kind of a drag act. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you have to apply the comedy tools and techniques, Correct. do the writing and make it work. And then I did another prime minister, Tony Abbott, after that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I thought that, that's enough. I want to concentrate on, on other areas. Absolutely. But it was an amazing journey. Absolutely. And really, to answer your question about uh, how do you um, imitate their mannerisms and their gestures and mm. their vocal intonations, that's really observation, mm. applying. You know, comedy is like any other industry. It has mm. ways of using tools, techniques, strategies, approaches, uh, that make comedy work. So it is an art and it is a science. Mm. And that's what I had to apply in terms of impersonating these people. Fascinating. And what would you say, Anthony, is your own unique style that you have been able to connect so easily with audiences? 
I think it was right, right at the beginning of in, going back right back to the 80s. Uh, it was relatability. Like I could, I think the, the comics job of at least for some comics, uh, it was for me is to get inside the audience's head mm-hmm. and to actually say what they're thinking, but in a surprising way. So you get that reaction of, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. yeah." Mm. So people identify with what you're talking about, uh, everyday situations, Mm. uh, that they can put themselves into your shoes as you're talking about these situations, putting yourself into their shoes. Mm. And I think that's one of the powers of comedy, actually, is that's incredible rapport uh, and being able to read an audience Mm. and deliver the material that they relate to. Mm. So I think it was that relatability. And also I think um, a certain bravery, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm much more introverted off stage, but on on stage, um, you know, it's quite outrageous and quite... Uh, you have to take those risks mm. uh, and sometimes uh, you fail miserably. But um, if you if you succeed, it's, it's unlike any other feeling I've ever, ever had in my life, really. It's mm. just an amazing, ecstatic feeling. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's comedy. It's highs, lows. Yeah. yeah. Gradually, you know, you get on a trajectory where the highs keep increasing. Um, but it is, it's a birth by fire for sure. Amazing. But you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by what, by what you just said. I, I watch a lot of interesting comedy from around the world, but mm. you said that you were introverted. I can't ever imagine a person who does such powerful comedy being introverted. I know it's amazing. And not, not all comics are introverts, but I would say probably 80% yeah. tend to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone someone actually did an interview with me uh, for a magazine, you know, introverts versus extroverts, mm-hmm. and they had a psychologist uh, who gave me a big quiz and a big you know kind of survey to fill in, and they concluded that I'm actually an ambivert. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> okay. um, so okay. on stage, big, yeah. you know, loud, confident. Off stage, you know, quieter. You know, I, I certainly you know have my moments and mm. in, in, and enjoy, you know, hanging out with friends and laughing. But um, sometimes people are surprised by the contrast between the onstage Anthony mm. and the the one that's yeah. off stage. Wow, wow. Mm. So tell me, you know, you do so many different things, you know, and I've often asked this to people who do so many different areas. I mean, you work as a comedian, an actor, a writer, and a motivational speaker. How do you balance different roles and how do these complement one another? Yeah, well, that's, that's a really good question. Um, it, is, it is a balancing act. Mm. Uh, and sometimes one area uh, can become the main focus mm. and at another time, another opportunity will present itself. And, um, you know, Ash, I have tried to sometimes, you know, think, I've got to focus. I've got to narrow my focus. Mm. <laughs> um, but when when I do that, I become unhappy. Mm. Uh, and if I'm not playing all these different roles, mm. uh, then I lose energy. So they all do complement each other. And I've come to accept uh, now that I, I do have to do them all just to mm. stay, you know, for my own well-being and for my own uh, happiness as a as a performer. So yeah, again, it's a balancing act, but when it's when it's a nice balance, it's it's a really um, you know happy way of being. 
Hmm. Interesting. One more question relating to, to uh, political satire that you do so yes. much work on. How do politicians and political parties react to political <laughs> satire? Because I know in many countries it is frowned upon. Australia, of yeah. course, is much more liberal. Mm. I'd love to get your perspective. Yeah, again, yeah, a great question. And I've actually um, written articles about this for the Sydney Morning Herald, a paper I used to write for, uh, about the differences in, the, uh, in, in exactly what you're saying. In some countries, um, you know, I, I could be in prison mm. <laughs> for okay. what, I've, what I've done in terms of mocking and ridiculing, uh, you know, our leaders. But I think it's a very healthy uh, thing to do. Uh, it's very egalitarian and kind mm. of puts us all onto the same level. It makes people accountable mm. uh, in a in a way. Mm. So in terms of my reaction here in Australia, you know, I get a better ride than other satirists, uh, perhaps uh, in other countries uh, have had. Uh, in Western countries, we're pretty much okay. Um, as I mentioned, the 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 person I started this whole impersonation journey with was Prime Minister Kevin Rudd. Mm -hmm. um, there were opportunities for us to work together, but he he wouldn't do that. So I think he was a bit protective uh, of his image. But through that, I got to know, um, through impersonating Kevin, got to know a, a, a wonderful guy who was, who was Australia's most popular ever mm -hmm. um, Prime Minister, Bob Hawke. Uh, and I got to know him very, very well. Mm -hmm. And he loved comedy. He loved mm -hmm. satire. He loved uh, this this whole idea of bringing comedy and directing it at, at leaders. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. And uh, some leaders are more receptive than others. But I think it's a very healthy thing uh, when leaders can incorporate laughter in terms of, uh, you know, laughing at themselves in an appropriate way. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So let me now move to your other avatar as a motivational speaker. Yes. How do you integrate humor uh, into motivational speaking? Uh, well, I guess every, what I talk about is all based around humor. So my main keynote speech and workshop is called Stress Less, Laugh More. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's not stand up comedy, but I incorporate a lot of humor mm. into uh, that that keynote mm -hmm. speech. So having a having a keynote called "Stress Less, Laugh More" gives me the opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I teach other people, you know, on all different subjects, mm -hmm. how to integrate humor into their keynote speeches or their presentations or even their business communication because mm -hmm. humor is just so powerful in terms of engaging parts of the brain that bring us into rapport, mm. bring us into connection uh, with other people. So I really encourage people. Mm. Um, you know, I run a course myself called Humor Skills, mm. and I've had people from all different industries, but you wouldn't associate mm. uh, some of them uh, with humor and laughter. But if we can kind of sweeten our communication with mm. humor and laughter, people become uh, more open to your message. They trust you. Uh, they connect with you. So I, I think it is a, a very powerful tool for any sort of speaker 
Mm. Well said. Mm. Another question I wanted to ask you was, you know, you've been performing for over four decades, as you mentioned. Yes. But over the last four decades, technology has made a big entry into our lives. Mm. How are you using technology and the fact <laughs> that most young people are probably now watching comedy on their little handheld devices? I know. So, you know, have, having done it as you quite rightly mentioned for you know four decades i've seen so many changes like when i began tv was king mm. and to get on tv gave you a massive audience mm. uh now it's just it's so diverse mm. and um you know i know myself now i watch very little tv so mm -hmm. i get to you know when i'm watching comedy it's usually on youtube mm -hmm. um people love tiktok mm -hmm. uh people love uh, small doses of yeah. humor mm. sometimes as compared to watching an hour an hour and a half correct so things have changed a lot mm. and in terms of technology um yeah i did some experiments on the new ai tools mm. uh chat gpt and i thought that's mm. that's man versus machine mm -hmm. <laughs> and at okay. the moment you know human beings are winning i think it's going to take a long time before the algorithms actually produce uh, really good comedy. Because mm. at the moment it's not happening, but I guess every comic's got to adapt. And when new technologies come in like YouTube, um, comedians have to adapt to that because people are seeing their act. Mm. Uh, and then sometimes they'll go to a comedy room and they've already seen part of your act. Mm. So it's a double-edged sword. It can, it can publicize what you do, but it can also uh, kind of cruel your act because people have already seen some of it on YouTube. So like all of us, um, comedians are adapting to new technologies all the time. Correct. And a related question, how have you seen audience tastes change? You know, now with the millennials and the Gen Zs and of course mm -hmm. now the Gen Alphas coming in, mm -hmm. uh, have you seen audience taste for comedy and satire change and evolve? Uh, I have seen that. Mm -hmm. And we live in an age where, um, <clears throat> you know, offence is easily taken. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a bit of a minefield now. I'm actually, you know, I think it'd be very different I was if I was beginning in stand-up comedy right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Because in the 80s, I think people had a much better understanding of irony, mm -hmm. that what you were saying was ironic in terms of uh, something that's not to be taken literal. Correct. But now people can react and just take the literal meaning and right. not seeing the irony behind it. So I think that must be a worry mm. um, for um, young young comedians um, working at the moment. So it has changed over over the years. You know, sensitivities mm. uh, have changed. Um, you know, swearing now is commonplace. Correct. Um, when we began, we being the comedians I began with, and we were called new wave mm. comedians. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like the bands. You know? Absolutely. So, um, and we were considered quite outrageous, you mm. know, because we we swore in our acts and people were kind of, you know, mm. uh, excited by it. It confronted uh, some people, but now it's so commonplace. Mm. I think it has very little effect. Mm. You know, using 
language. We used it to affect a kind of, you know, startle an audience mm. or get a reaction from them. So it's an ever-evolving uh, art form, Correct. Uh, comedy. So, I'm, you know, I don't know what's going to come next, but there'll, I, there'll be more adaptations. I agree. You know, when I speak to a lot of my, 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 my both my sons uh, and my nephews and nieces who are all millennials uh, and Gen Z, Mm. I often tell them, I said, you guys don't accept or understand what is the tongue-in-cheek comment, you know. And yes. <laughs> someone yes, this, uh, it this literalism, yeah. That uh, they just take the what the one meaning. Um, so, I mean, it's great that we are now all more, you know, all of us are now more sensitive and aware mm. of, you know, gender issues and do people's sensitivities. Um you know, I think eventually we'll find another sweet spot where comedy can thrive and people understand the intention uh, behind the comedy. I'm sure. Mm. So my next question is, uh, you know, again, with related to audience, but I also find that a lot of sensitive topics are now getting discussed on uh, by, by comedians on stage, which include religion. Mm. I'd love to get your perspective on that. And yes. we've had some challenges in in my country. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So uh, I think we're going back to uh, you know potential minefield, <laughs> um, but also something that does need to be talked about. Mm. Uh, and a comedian does have an enormous license. Mm. Uh, again, in Western countries, uh, particularly to say the things that other people can't say mm. in other platforms and formats of debate so we, we do have that license so religion yeah you do have to be a little bit careful but um you know but my philosophy is nothing should be outside the bounds of discussion Absolutely. and it comes back to the way in which the comic presents that and some of them over the over the decades have done that absolutely brilliantly and i'm sure that will continue mm, that's it so time for two more questions for you sure my next question is that can humor skills be learned uh, or do you have to be born, born with the specific <laughs> timing that you need to yeah. have comedy? Yeah, well, I've taught humor skills and I've taught comedy now for almost 30 years. Uh, so my answer is yes, humor skills can definitely be taught. People can learn how to use, again, tools and techniques, use them skillfully. And I guess it's um, like any field of endeavor. Mm. You know, um, not everyone's going to be the Olympic athlete. Correct. But everyone can get better at, you know, jogging around the block. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the idea that, you know, there's um, a base level of, uh, you know, comedy skill and you can never get above that that's just not true mm. and everyone gets better in every class i've ever taught and these are people from every imaginable work of life everyone improves and it's fun mm. you know it's fun to um to to create a funny line or learn how timing works or rhythm you know things like you know transitions and all these kind of technical terms can be learned like any other skill. Mm. So yes, humor skills can be learned, and it's a lot of fun learning them. Fabulous. And my last question, you Anthony, and this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Mm. Based on your own amazing journey uh, as a comedian, as a sat political satirist, 
what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away, especially viewers and listeners who are aspiring uh, mm -hmm. to be able to not become comedians professionally, but to mm -hmm. be able to draw a laugh from the audience or the group that they're sitting with? Yeah, right. Um, well, I would say um, number one is to remember that laughter changes energy. Yeah. Uh, and this is something, going back to the days when I was just doing tryout nights as a complete newbie, um, and, you know, you're not very good when you begin. Uh, you, you may be the 20th act on. And so I would look out in the audience. I'd see people tired. I'd see people, you know, bored, distracted, talking to the person next to them. Some people hostile, you know, they're just waiting to heckle you. And as I got better and as I got those laughs happening, I would see I would see the energy change. Mm. So the bored people would get interested. Uh, distracted people would get focused. The hostile people would become friendly. Mm. So remember that laughter changes energy and that everyone wants their energy mm. changed. Yeah. Um, number two is to see laughter as a form of communication. Yeah, because we think of laughter as a reaction, yeah. but we're really communicating that this this universal sound that we all make, which is <laughs> we are communicating to other people. We're saying, yeah. "I like you." We're in this together. Everything yeah. will be all right. And my my third tip, and this is probably the biggest one that I communicate in my workshop, is to see laughter as a gift, mm. because everyone wants to feel a little bit better. Everyone wants to get those wonderful chemicals circulating through their body mm -hmm. and um, to have their mood elevated. And when you're the source of that, it's just an amazing feeling. And it also mm -hmm. gives you a lot of influence, a lot of connection uh, and, you know, a, a connection too to our basic humanity. You know, we are, or you're in India, I'm in Australia. We're all in this uh, together. Everyone who's listening to this right now so enjoy using that universal language of laughter and you'll start to get the results coming back to you amazing and on that note uh, anthony and your three amazing lessons laughter changes energy everyone wants energy second you said is laughter is a form of communication and third you said which is so so powerful laughter is a gift um, yes. and also laughter is a universal language Thank you so much for speaking to me about your amazing journey. Thank you for talking to me about so many different aspects of comedy, uh, uh, impersonation. Thank you for speaking to me about motivational speeches. And uh, thank you also for talking to me about so many different uh, forms of laughter and so many different things that we can do uh, as human beings to make everyone else more comfortable with this universal language of laughter. Thank you for speaking oh, to me and good luck. Thank you, Ash. And keep up your wonderful work and giving your gift through the brand called you. Um, you're doing wonderful work, my friend. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the brand called you videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, 
Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.